Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Cannabis Today podcast. I'm Steve Blank. Cannabis Today delivers cannabis industry, community, culture, and news media. To explore our broad spectrum programming and extract only the content you want, visit canna-today.com and click the search icon to navigate your way through topics like cultivation, law and policy, CBD, startups, health and wellness, terpenes, investment, extraction, events, and so much more. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Cannabis Today podcast on your favorite streaming platforms and join the conversation by connecting with us on social media. On this edition of the podcast, Catherine Sidman hosts Carlton Bone live from the show floor of Concentration 2019 in Pala, California. Carlton is the founder of the Upward Cannabis Kitchen. Through the development of a tea-based cannabis beverage line, Carlton has been able to explore ancillary endocannabinoid modulators and the wide world of botanicals. Without further ado, Catherine Sidman and Carlton Bone live from the show floor of Concentration 2019 in Pala, California. All right. I am super excited. Here we are. Concentration 2019. We're on the showroom floor with the Cannabis Today podcast. I'm Catherine Sidman, and I am joined right now in the hot seat by Carlton Bone. Carlton uh, Carlton and I started talking about what we were going to talk about, and it got so exciting we forgot that we're supposed to record something. So we're just going <laughs> to rewind all of that. Absolutely. Carlton, introduce yourself to the Cannabis Today listeners. Thank you. Uh, my name is Carlton Bone. I come to the cannabis world uh, in 2016. The, uh, you know, edible production out in Portland, Oregon. Uh, the wild road that is this industry has taken me a lot of places, but today I'm doing a lot of uh, novel product formulations, specifically uh, finished consumer goods, everything from suppositories to new drinks, as well as business wow, so development. so from one end to the other. Literally, exactly. <laughs> okay, but I'm fascinated. So I, um, in my background, um, I worked in hospice care for okay. about a decade. Yeah. Um, and while I was raising my family, I would do home care at night. My husband worked during the day. That was sort of our, our gig for a while. And, um, suppositories are key, are a key therapeutic device for medication delivery. And everybody, you know, makes a dumb joke or laughs about it. But especially for cannabis, how huge is that? Tell me more about it. Uh, you know, stop me is what I want to say before I get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really fortunate to work with my mom. Uh, she's a cannabis physician in Aww. West Palm Beach, Florida, and a 30-year board-certified OBGYN. Wow. So when it comes to understanding, you know, what we use depositories for traditionally, uh, I'll let folks know it's been hormone replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that our bodies produce hormones in different parts mm-hmm. is an important part of treating people whose bodies don't produce hormones anymore. Well, and suppository, I mean, just so, so a suppository is a bioavailable little bullet that you mm-hmm. would insert rectally. Your colon is extremely, um, or vaginally absorbable, exactly. right? Right. Yeah. So, and, and in like in hospice, it would be used for, I mean, uh, suppositories are frequently used for emesis. I mean, if you're very nauseous and you can't take medicine because you're throwing up, they give you a suppository, you get the medicine, it stays in your system. Um, If uh, you're somebody who's, um, you know, in kind of a twilight um, consciousness and you can't take medication and you're maybe in a home setting where you don't have an IV, a suppository is very effective for passing medication to the patient. So, you know, for uh, so many of the things that we use cannabis for, certainly in terms of nausea and other things, it makes a huge amount of sense. No, I, yeah, Catherine, like you, you really pointed out exactly why we wanted to figure out what is a suppository formulation for cannabis because right. 
Uh, Dr. Bone works with uh, the Morse Life Geriatric Facility mm-hmm. and is currently working on elder care. And aside from that, she focuses on menopausal women. Mm-hmm. And both demographics are having specific needs that don't really fold on to the idea of the cannabis consumer as the pot smoker, the inhalant user. Uh, It really is more in line with transdermal suppositories because these are medical forms that these populations are used to, have prior exposure to. Mm -hmm. It allows us to get past that stigmatization factor because when a doctor recommends a suppository, it's really hard to fold that in with, you know, the reefer madness that a lot right, of these right, folks right, grew up with. Right. Uh, but in terms of bioeffectiveness, what we really latch on to is the fact that uh, the endocrine system and the endocannabinoid system are part and parcel of the way the body's homeostasis system works. And the endocrine system is going to be your hormones. Absolutely. Right? And we, the endocannabinoid system is going to be those receptors specifically for cannabinoids. Exactly. It's the it's basically a subset almost of the endocrine system. But mm-hmm. the endocrine system has uh, an axis with the brain, the pituitary gland, uh, and then the gut. Mm-hmm. And what we see is that the way in which your body you know, metabolizes cannabis if it's coming in through your lungs, if it's coming in through your skin, if it's coming through other passageways will dictate how you actually end up experiencing that product. Mm-hmm. So we look at vulvovaginal dryness and sexual wellness in particular mm-hmm. uh, because we th- feel that this is an underexplored area with cannabis and mm-hmm. there's a lot of anecdotal arguments as to the a- efficacy of cannabis as an aphrodisiac. And, right. Uh, okay, but, but yeah. so recently I was on Instagram and someone... Uh, posted about, you know, THC-infused lube. Yeah. And they're like, shut up, take it, put it inside your cheek. Is your cheek high? Does your cheek feel any different? Like, what's what's going on that, you know, is this really a thing? And and, and I'm I'm asking you this. I have no idea if that's a a product that you make. No, it's it's a product I I have a lot of... Uh, market experience with, and I'll clarify okay. it there. It's okay. in the market, but you uh, you don't have a vulva or a vagina, so I don't know how much experience you really have with it. Ex- I, exactly, <laughs> I have it. My experience. I'm assuming is, that was a lot of assumptions no, no, it, based on your facial hair. I, I, so I, I am non-binary, and like that's something that makes me really akin to gender as a social phenomenon. But as someone without a vulva or vagina, it means it's harder to take these sorts of treatments for myself. Right. But all that being said, <laughs> what what we really have found is that uh, cannabis relaxes people. Mm-hmm. Like sexual intimacy is sort of high stakes. I don't mm-hmm. care how else we frame it, but it is not just the very smooth, happy-go-lucky process. And in a culture we live in, surrounding a lot of expectations with beauty, pleasure, and desire. Uh, and performance. Absolutely. Right? Being able to you know, step out of those roles uh, is a really important component of being grounded, being able to engage intimately. Mm-hmm. And we're still a ways out from understanding, you know, do we have, you know, increased moisture and uh, decreased pH content in people who use these products? We're doing that research now, but we know based on enough anecdotal reports that people who use cannabinoids responsibly to get to that state of calm are better positioned to engage in intimacy from that position. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an important recognition that cannabis is modulating your whole body. It's not fixing things, but maybe it's helping you, you know, take a little bit more agency. Maybe it's part of a broader nutritional plan that Mm -hmm. you're working on incorporating Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you recognize it's not just my micronutrients, it's my carbohydrates and everything. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I'm definitely getting on a tangent, but 
it, it's something that we are still studying and trying to center patient experiences uh, in that process because a lot of folks talk about pain and that's a narrative surrounding cannabinoids that is popular but there's a lot of folks who also just want an improved quality of life and cannabis offers a tremendous amount of potential sure. there. Sure, um, well, something I love, uh, Grey Wolf, J.D. Ellis from yeah. Skunk Farm always said um, cannabis is such good medicine some people take it just for the side effects. No, absolutely. MC, 100%, right? 100%, absolutely. J.D., go Grey Wolf. No, it, it's perfect. I have IBS and we developed our original formula, kombucha, based on the fact that you have IBS, take probiotics. You know, any nutritionist will tell you this. Add a few terpenes in there, beta mercine, it'll be good for the inflammation effects. You talk to cannabis advocates, smoke pot for your IBS. One plus one is three. We develop our kombucha. Next thing we know, I started realizing, oh, this is actually just improving my quality of life, not my symptoms. I'm having more energy, less anxiety, because mm -hmm, as we've mm -hmm. seen recently, the gut microflora is really important to regulating anxiety and mood and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And so a lot of our formulations and my work in the industry has been taking my experiences, the experiences of those positioned around me in my community, and you know, we're going to just make our lives a little bit better. <laughs> right, right. I love that, that you work with your mom, who's a physician. She's in Florida. Not super friendly to to the green goddess. No, God, my, my I mean, friends, a, my a friends two in Florida. Flower limit that just got legalized two months ago, and an edible ban that permeates the whole state. Those folks are struggling down there. Yes, yeah. So, so how do you how do you balance that level of restriction with any relevant research? How do you even pull that off? Uh, uh, candidly, a lot of our opportunities are sort of looking at the future and looking at future markets um my controversial belief one one of many is that like until we get easier access to irbs in the united states the quality of our research will not last irbs like, uh institutional review boards at okay. colleges and universities right, right the thing that puts the rubber stamp on a study and mm -hmm. says it's been peer reviewed oh, uh, like the one that princeton just lost all sorts of money for because it was uh you know falsified exactly. and they used all their grants yeah exactly yeah. and so in our our perspective there are tremendous levels of institutional support in places like Mexico, Costa Rica, mm -hmm. and we're working with a few sources down there to introduce opportunities to do research at the university level in South America. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. right now our preclinical research is giving us direction. We know what we want to do with product formulations, right. but we don't, we're not confident with the way things are moving at the pace they're moving in the U.S. Right. So we're going to go outside. But well, but just, just like that, we're begging for, we're begging for regulation, yeah. right? We're begging for standards. We're begging for research. We're begging for the proof. I mean, that's what, the industry really wants. And, and that's sort of our perspective is we feel we can go to alternative markets and do a service to everybody. Uh, if you give me like 10 more minutes, I can do it. Is that is that okay? Yep, it'll be just like this. Is that okay if we do it in about 10? Okay, super, thank you. Okay. Um, so. Uh, no, but that research is yeah. super important. It's going to dictate the future of our industry. We feel also that building those connections with foreign partners based on the inevitable exportation of domestic cannabis crops to those markets allows us to establish those relationships ahead of time. You know what my dream is when you what? talk no, about it? Uh, okay. Well, my, one of my many cannabis <laughs> dreams. I want. There are villages in Africa that don't have a reliable crop that have 
that need an agricultural crop that they can own, that they can monetize, that they can use, that's practical, that's sustainable, and um, you know something that I work, I teach Sunday school with this mouth. So I have access to a lot of people who do missionary work in Africa. And every single one of them I see, I'm like, I want to change the life of the people that you're working with with cannabis. And it's and and I and it's gone from like like full stiff arm, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like no, 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 you crazy. To what about that kind that doesn't get you high? Okay, so now we're talking to him. Exactly. Okay, okay, I'm gonna play. And that's huge progress. Can we and can we and can we get there? Can we get there so that we're providing people who have been understood? We talk a lot a lot about. Um, developing equality in cannabis and you know California's trying it and they're doing an abysmal job and nobody seems to be leveling the playing field well doesn't I mean we can start I, leveling the playing field by letting people out of prison but that's a whole different thing I, I, but I'm so, gonna you know, you know clap to that because uh, in Oregon you know we're still waiting on expungement legislation that's long overdue right um Outside of my involvement in the industry, I'm actively involved with harm reduction groups. Uh, So harm reduction is a philosophy that people are going to do what they're going to do. And it's our job as living in, you know, an educated, civilized society to give people resources and information to be risk conscious and Mm -hmm. make responsible decisions Mm -hmm. and weigh consequences against Mm -hmm. each other because... Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we don't believe in curtailing people's freedom. That's why, like, America is sort of the shit in a lot of ways. Uh, and at the end of the day, we need to take that philosophy into our healthcare, into our wellness, and into our leisure. And to maybe talk about healthcare in t- instead of criminalization. I mean, let's talk about the decisions Absolutely. that you're making in terms of risk and benefit and health, not just for you personally, but for but society. The public and to really say, you know what, this thing that you're doing, you're hurting yourself and we want to help you. That thing that you're doing, you're going to hurt me and I don't like it. So you're either going to stop or I'm going to put you somewhere where you can't do that anymore. That's a different conversation. Absolutely. The work I do in harm reduction is with uh, active needle and injection drug users. Mm -hmm. Uh, We work at a needle exchange where we distribute Narcan Mm -hmm. and are working with folks who have opiate dependency. And Mm -hmm. we know CBD and cannabinoids can be an effective mm-hmm. opiate and alcohol mm-hmm. replacement therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of our struggle is trying to, you know, build those connections with folks and create sort of an understanding that you can make the choice to continue living in cycles of dependency, but there are alternatives that maybe aren't going to make you feel as good, but at the end of the day are going to make feeling that way less consequential. Sure, and it's, sure. it's a paradigm shift that has to come around, as you pointed out, in the way mm-hmm. we approach wellness and healthcare and looking at our health as part of a broader public question. And ministry. So, you know, talking to someone yesterday, super involved in um, in Humboldt County, to telling me all the things he's doing. Oh, we're sponsoring this children's festival and we're sponsoring this day at the beach and we're doing this and we're doing that. And I know ministries in Humboldt County that are dealing with addiction. And he's like, I will give them all the CBD they want. Heck yeah. Well, they look at CBD as, uh-oh, you know, this is the gateway drug to the gateway drug, isn't it? Right? And exactly. now we're going to be going back down there. And so we have to start having, we need to, we need to be people who aren't binary, who aren't just yes, no, black, white, good, bad. I love that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But like, let's look at it and let's have the conversation and let's say, how do we, because here's this ministry and I know that what they want to do is help these people 
walk out of addiction and walk in power in their lives. Absolutely. Right? And, and I'm not wanting to pull them back into addiction. I'm wanting to say, I want to support that effort with yeah. this little plant. Right. It, but it, it and, is and, just and, that simple. And it is that wholesome too. the idea that just like our plant is growing and is going to mature with time and patience, like grow too, you know, choose to plant seeds to sprout mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. different, to be changed. Mm-hmm. And, and and be that good actor. Absolutely. You know, when I when I moved to the Emerald Triangle from the Portland area, I said, I don't understand why these regulated growers, these people who are who are inviting regulation into their life, it will not make them more money. It will not make their life easier. It will not make them more profitable. It will not give them a better brand. No. It is nothing but punishment for the cause. God bless them as they enter into regulation. No, right? I mean, as they and try to, they're the front lines yes. and they're getting mowed down. Yes. We see it in Oregon with, you know, the inevitable moratorium coming and all these small farmers right. honestly left holding the bag. Right. And it's heartbreaking. Well, and in Oregon, um, you know, my girl, my girl Carla is one of the last um, licensed medical producers in the state. You know what I'm what saying? Done to I mean, the MMJ it's heartbreaking. Program. Beyond heartbreaking. It's, it's literally targeted in the way where mm-hmm. it, it assumes the recreational market can fill a niche that it wasn't designed to fill. Right. When right. you have... Uh, milligram caps on products that are five a serving and you have patients who are used to thousands of mgs a day right right there's no cost comparison there's no no. ability to translate and continue using your treatments we're kicking patients to the curb and And, and patients don't have guidance from doctors and pharmacists i mean you can go in and you can have a doctor sign your rec you know what i mean sign your recommendation so that you don't have to pay taxes but that's the only benefit you got from that the only benefit you got is a slightly lower cost per milligram of whatever you're looking for, but no more and guidance, that's it. And no more support no more guidance, as a no patient. more support, no more testing. In fact, less testing, less rigorous testing. Yeah, because they're like you're a medicinal patient. You don't really need to know if this has. Yeah, pesticides I'm like, you're in already it. screwed. So I guess the pesticides and the heavy metals uh, are going to be fine. But I actually, mean, <laughs> awkward, right? It awkward. is. So, um. I want to know, I, I could just talk to you for a long time, Carlton. Okay. I like you. I like you. We're going to do this again. We're going to do a long form um, when we're not here at the show. We're oh, gonna and do we're going to get Dr. Bone on here, too, because if you like oh, talking to me, my goodness. Miss, you're going to love Dr. Dr. Bone. Exactly. Okay. I'm, I got to talk to you. The, the reason why I can be here. Okay. <laughs> on every level, actually. Pretty much. Pretty, I mean, like, <laughs> I, I ain't opposed to recognizing Mama Bone. <laughs> right, right. We'll all do it. We'll all do it. I want to know, Carlton, how can people get a hold of you and be in touch with you and be part of what you're doing? How can they reach out? Absolutely. So Upward Cannabis uh, is currently in a transitionary phase. We're out of manufacturing, but you can reach me through that entity. We've got a website uh, and some social media pages up, but also uh, Dr. Melanie Bone, uh, located in West Palm Beach, Florida, for those of you on the East Coast, is uh, a great avenue to connect with me. She is more intelligent and more gifted in a lot of areas, but the is combo she is easy pretty- on the eyes. I'd say easier. I mean, really? that's where I get these oh, genetics, okay. right? Okay. All right. All right. Well, I got it. Well, thank you so much, Carlton, for thank coming you, out Catherine. of Cannabis this was really Today great. podcast, Concentration 2019.